Ahoy hoy, Noiros! Welcome to another big episode of Out of the Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Dan? How hello? big how big is it gonna be though? This one, you know, even though it's a, it's a quick running time, that's sort of the good thing, at least with the last two, this one and, and uh, the big steel, mm-hmm. they were quick. Yes. Will we be as quick? Let's find out. Gentleman yes. Joey here to watch the clock. Yep. But um, yeah, I think it'll be pretty big. There's a lot to talk about with this one. There is. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a big heat. Uh, weirdly, the, the I was, you know, you want to make some temperature jokes and it's been a hot summer, but this week hasn't been so bad. Yeah. Fortunately, wasn't, it's wasn't as big of a heat. I thought I could bring a little more of that together, but that's all right. It just means the weather band is still intact. I was gonna say uh, you're cutting it close as far as like your weather. I band. understand. <laughs> I just this one was just a little little topical, but ultimately yeah. we're moving on. I'll I'll let it, I'll let it slide. I'll allow it for the for this one. I'll allow it. I appreciate it. Well, I was John, thinking about Johnny Resnick. Was that that guy's name? The guy from Goo Goo Dolls? Dolls wasn't yeah. that his name? Yet? Well, you said you're gonna let it slide. Sorry. Oh, okay. I think Welcome I was, to the show. I think I was too excited to talk about. I was thinking about when I got. I was lucky enough to get the Blu-ray on Twilight Time for this one a while Excellent. back. I found it used surprisingly at Princeton Record Exchange, which is probably my favorite record store on the planet. I love it, and they have great movie selection as well. I Boy, remember, if you want to learn anything about this podcast, it's it's uh, of our regional? hosts. Well, no, I just, I feel the exact opposite of that record store. It's one of my least favorite record stores. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I will say, I, it reminds me. I like the, them in the sense they're good for where you, I guess where you just were saying that you got a movie there. Like, they're good for movies. Like, they, they're good for, like, multimedia stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I just wish uh, it was a little more curated, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're good with a lot of rare movies in particular. Like, I found a lot of good foreign stuff, a lot of, like, stuff like this. And and the the story that I have about this one is I remember for whatever reason I remember when I, I was buying this and it was I guess one of like the owners or one of the managers was, was there because I've seen him always there I remember him looking at it, he's like oh the big heat he's like that's a great one like he's like definitely made he's like that one's really good and I was like at the time I had never seen it I'd only heard of it um, and I was like yeah I was like I've never I've always wanted to see it and never got around to it and I'm glad I bought it because it's great and uh, it just made me think of that every time I, I see it it's been a while it's been a while since I've watched it actually. Um, long time i've seen it many many times i've watched it a lot because it is it's one of those ones i feel like is a good repeat watch like it's it's one that like i never tire of not that i tire from more that much but like it's like one you could just throw on and be you know it could been a while it could be not not a long time you could be like this is just a a good ride and it's got everything you'd want out of a film noir there's not a, a, a ounce of fat in the thing. No, at all. You just you're you're all on for the ride, and it's happening. I think I think a lot of that could be credited to Fritz Lang, though. The great Fritz Lang, yes. Yes, I, uh, I think I think you you see. Especially his... by this point, he's he's a total pro. He's well yeah. well seasoned in the film industry after just completely shaping it. You know. Yeah. With, uh, Metropolis, of course. Yep. Do you have what's your relationship with Metropolis? I love Metropolis. Uh, Metropolis is, is a great film. What's your favorite score for it? Because uh, um, this, I, boy, I wish that original score was still around, huh? It's the one yeah, heartbreak of Metropolis. Yeah, I feel like the purist in me wants it to be like the most legit version of, course. of it. it I, I, that's definitely our approach, I, I feel, is we like it as intended. Well, similarly, not, not it's sort of related, I guess, is uh, one of my favorite silent films is Battleship of Temkin. Um, I'm a huge mm-hmm. you know, Russian 
film buff. And uh, I remember the first time I ever watched that, it was a VHS copy that I got. I think it was actually from a library and it was released in the 80s. So it had this like weird synthesized score. Wow. Um, so like the first time I ever watched that movie, it was such a weird dichotomy of like seeing this film, this like great film from the 20s and hearing like this like bizarre, like synthy <laughs> score. <laughs> yeah, to like one of the, arguably one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, it was Imagine just weird. being like an older person and you're like, oh, they finally released it. It's 1980 something. They're like, they yeah. finally, they finally released it. Oh, gather, gather around children. This is the one, you know? And then that's, that's what's coming at you. Like. Exactly. This is cinema's finest here, uh, everyone. Like get buckle, buckle up and, and, and get ready. And then you're this, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love eighties music, but I think it just doesn't necessarily have a, a fits with with this obviously i just don't exactly think it yeah um, i think you have to be a little contemporary yeah when it, it was when very it comes weird. to that but yeah metropolis i i, I love well actually it, oddly enough i have on my desk as you can see i can show you i actually it's kind of falling apart but i have i have a lot of metropolis memorabilia oh. Oop, oop, dropped it but one is uh this action figure i also have one of the uh what's those things the uh the, like the bobblehead things the um funko ones oh sure Okay. Oh, they made one of those. Yes, okay. I have. I have one of those as well. You got um, dust or mosquitoes going around. Uh, that is dust. Dust went flying everywhere when I pulled that out, which is not a good thing. And Straight out of 1927, huh? Exactly. I think. I, I think. I the last time I moved it was 1927. So, but yes, no. I'm. I'm a fan. Duster like Dan. I also really like, and I feel like it might be one that we could probably get into the podcast. Is a uh, Ministry of Fear. Mm-hmm. It is a Criterion one that that he released. And I feel like that one kind of walks the line. I feel like we might be able to cover it. It's been a long time since I've watched that one, but I feel like that might be one we could probably slide in at some point. some point. I mean, we have so many not right. as, you know, definitive noirs. I mean, he yes. basically wrote the blueprint, of course, with M, which we're yes. destined to get into. And then, you know, in the, in the 40s and early 50s, he was, he was just, they were coming out constantly. From yes. Him. Well, one could say he's a very competent director, at least. <laughs> I should hope so. Jeez. To say the least. I'm just, I'm, I'm <laughs> to joking. say the least, absolutely. Um, I was I was being sarcastic. He um, joins our eye patch gang. Oh yeah, Glad with him and uh, Andre De Toth. Exactly. Or like, I wonder if those two ever got together. That would that would be a cool grouping. Yeah. Let's see if we could get them on the podcast. Yeah, I wish. What What's that? Oh, they're dead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Wish I was just thinking. In, I was just informed, unfortunately, that both of those men have passed. So. Yes. Unfortunately. Well, we can we, get a time machine. Well, we're going to use all of our uh, future Patreon money to send flowers to the graves of the actors yes. that we cover. So, yes, you can give us your money with the peace of mind, knowing that we're not keeping any of it. And yes, we're keeping big flower in business. We'll get those Walmart flowers over there. No, no problem. Amazon yeah. flowers, right? I feel like we need to start a band called Big Flower. I like that. Big Flower? Sure. <laughs> put, a, put a sunflower on the cover or do we transcend it do we show we have like each flat we'll like put them from like smallest to tallest and then there's us right next to it I feel like well, we have options i don't want to give it away just yet we're taller than a sunflower yes that yes. could be that could be a lyric in, in a song yeah we're gonna <laughs> rap it we're taller than a sunflower oh big flower <laughs> well i mean i could i could segue that into a uh one of the other recent criterion that I watched uh, that has a famous rap song in it. It's a, a neo-noir uh, is Deep Cover, which I watched the first time. Um, You've been, we've been hyping Deep Cover. Yeah, what'd you think of Deep Cover? I loved it. I was, 
I was over the moon for it. I, I what'd you think it, of one eight seven? It was bopping. We yeah. bopping. Yeah, I mean, it's no, a good the, song. It's the a whole good, score. It, the the whole soundtrack deep, was awesome. It's a deep cut on deep cover. Yeah, that is a great a great soundtrack. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was glad to see it. That was yeah. a. I remember one just renting as a kid. You know, just like those. Hey, it's new. Let's check it out. You got Larry Fishburne here. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. No. Back I, then, I, when I still still could be sold on Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> You don't like Jeff Goldblum? I detest Jeff Goldblum. Um, really? Yes, but only it, it it happened. It grew. He grew into something that I just don't care for. But everything leading up to that point was great. I think he he just became a little too self aware, and mm-hmm. it all just fell apart for me. Okay, but that era you're okay with him? Yes. Now I just think of him, you know, hitting a dog with a rolled up piece of newspaper in Life Aquatic. Oh. I've seen that one time, and it was a long time ago. Sounds like a criterion you do not have in your collection. Oddly enough, I do. Or is have that the it. one time that you saw it? <laughs> yes, I actually do own it because uh, a friend of mine knows that uh, my distaste for Wes Anderson and sent it to me as a, like a sort of joke, but sort of like, hey, maybe you'll, you might like this one, but I understand that you don't like him. So one day, from one time for my birthday years ago, he actually sent it to me. He, and he said another. He said another movie with it that he knew that I, I would hope like. So yeah, yeah, that's a nice one too. Um, I mean, I would say if you detest him, which I can understand, I, I still would put that one like above. I, I think that's my favorite one of his, and Bottle Rocket, which is like even mm-hmm. before he could get so twee or whatever you want to call I it. I think the one that I watched that I, I disliked the least was uh, uh, Rushmore. Uh, that okay. one. I, that one I could I could get through. The last one I think I saw was uh, Grand Prix to Best Hotel in the theater with a bunch of friends, and I actually fell asleep in the movie, uh, which doesn't happen to me very often. Uh, so that, I feel like that's a pretty telltale sign that I was not enjoying myself. Boy, the last time I fell asleep, I saw that movie, The Sisters Brothers. Do you remember that one? I have not seen it. I've heard mixed things about it. I was like interested in seeing it, but... I really, I was all in on it, and I wanted to love it, but it just didn't happen, and I fell asleep like multiple times. I think the last one I fell asleep on in general was Phantom Thread. I fell asleep during that movie in the theater. I was just not into it. And I was like, I don't get why people love this movie. I was just not into it at all. It just did not grab me one bit. Maybe that should be another side podcast. Maybe like talking about film experiences of of falling asleep in theaters to movies and why and what happened. Us shit talking popular movies that people love. Yes. Just to really alienate our audience. Yes, yes. I mean, Why I like not? Wes Anderson. I, you know, I'm not head over heels for him. I, I particularly like those early ones when he was writing them with Owen Wilson. I thought yeah. Owen Wilson's voice in those scripts is, was a very essential factor that has been missing. Yeah, it's like I, I can appreciate it and understand why people like it. It just, it just, I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, it, it's like one of those type of deals. It's like I get it. Did it you? Just, and as far as like Phantom Thread goes, was it just that movie, or do you not like PTA in general? Just that one. I, okay. I think just that That's one. That's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say I, I don't mind Phantom Thread. There's a lot of great moments in it and, yeah. and interesting characters. Yes. But I, it just ultimately didn't come together. That little, like, ending just didn't work for me at all. Same. Um, That's and why. I, and yeah. it, it kind of helped a lot of it fall apart. Like, and especially, like, I like it less and less as time goes on and the more I think about it. But before that was, what, Inherent Vice? I was just going to say, I saw that I in theater, I, and I love that as well. Love I, it, yeah. I did, and I did enjoy that one. I feel like it was almost like a switcheroo where it's like everyone was baffled by that. And it's like, no, 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 it's the one afterwards that's like, what the fuck? Yeah, no. In her advice, I really enjoyed. I love the dynamic of like, you're in his head, you're in uh, the main character's headspace of like, 
the crime mystery of it, but like you're kind of in the fog a little bit with him. No, you're totally going along for the ride. And just like yeah. what? And he's just yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I I really I really effective. appreciate it. Yeah, really, really great, really well done. I I Neo Noir, that. right? You could call that exactly. I think, yeah, I think, and it's fun to get that from Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, right. there's always a hint of crime in some of these, but. I think that all of that combined, yeah, that was something that I could connect with and I really enjoyed it for what it was. But Fan and Thread, I was just like, nah, not yeah, for me. That's a, I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think that's a, nothing was too controversial there. Okay. Maybe the Wes Anderson thing, but I mean, I feel like everybody's either 50-50 on him anyways, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gone for like, but it's not for a lack of trying. I mean, I've seen a lot of his films. It's not just like I saw one film and was like, You're like me in The Smiths, you know, where I'm just like, hey, I'm so glad you guys are getting something from this. I'm trying damn near every year to get into this stuff, but it is just not clicking, you know? Maybe I'll be the one to get you into them. Maybe. Well, I think I have a a way to maybe get you into them. So I don't know if I'll talk about it here. Maybe we'll talk about it afterwards, but... All right, we will do an episode to see if you successfully accomplished this feat. It is a feat, Dan, I got to say, at this point. I'm almost, I'm I'm coming up on 40. I don't know if it's going to happen at this point. I I I feel like the Smiths is a young man's game. It is, but I have, I think I have an interesting inroads with you that I think I might be able able to tap into. There's a weird. Wow. I I, I appreciate this, at least, that you're coming at me from this angle. I think this is the most possible it has ever been before, so. Because as as a huge fan, there's there's a little pocket of Smith's history that a lot of people don't know about, and I'll I'll just say because I, I think it'll pique your just a little bit. So the I feel like you may have told me about this before. Where like Morrissey like sat out for a session or something like that. Yeah. So so there was a there was a there was a brief time where they 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 were all real fans of the the in the band they were all fans of the singer uh, Sandy Shaw, who was a very famous like pop singer in the '60s in England. And uh, they asked her to sing a bunch of Smith songs and they recorded it. So they basically backed her minus Morrissey. So she sang yeah. lead and basically redid, I think it was three Smith songs. And they're great. They sound awesome. And, and this is what I anticipate happening. I, that I love these three songs that you're, yes. you're going to throw at me, but then I will not like the actual versions of the songs or anything like that. Well, that's possible, but, but I feel like goal- I have tasted life, but I, but I think it's, it's a worthy cause. I right. think that's, and I, 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 I started to remember that you had mentioned this once before and, and that had sounded a little tasty. So we'll it's see. It's good. All right. We'll see about this pocket, Dan. I'll work on it. Check the hemming on that. Yeah, I will. Fine stitching I'm looking for. I'm stitching it right now. <laughs> Your stitcher premium over here, huh? Yep. You like podcast jokes? I do. <laughs> <laughs> getting, now that we're getting very meta. Yeah, sure. Do we have any other, uh, no, anything that's... else on the docket? That's mostly what I want to talk about. Have I watched movies? Yeah, no. Nah. I don't know if I really watched anything this week. Really? Busy Other week. than like, yeah, well, like, I mean, I was watching some Rockford Files and definitely squeezed some of those in. Had another Isaac Hayes episode. He's in so many of them. It's, it's oh, pretty really? entertaining. Yeah, he calls Rockford Brockfish. That's his thing. <laughs> how, many, how many seasons are Cracks there? me up. Six seasons. Okay. And what season are you on? Four. Just started four. Okay. And then uh, there's some TV movies that happen afterwards that I'll have to track down that are only on DVD. Hmm. You got you got James Garner looking noticeably older on the front cover, but I, I, I'll trust it. I don't Why know if not? David Chase comes back for these ones. I'd say it's worth a shot. Yeah, what a, what a good time that is. But beyond that, I don't think so. I feel like I'm really like neglecting something that I absolutely did watch, but I don't know. Maybe it's just this podcast where I'm like, oh, I'm watching stuff. Or maybe it'll hit you like mid mid-podcast today. Maybe you'll think of it i started a movie 
on the, in the Criterion Neo Noir section. Oh, okay. uh, Cutter's Way. You know Cutter's Way. I've heard of it, and I've never watched it, and I've wanted to watch it. It's so wild. John Hurd is in it. Yeah. I believe is his name, you know, from Home Alone. Home right? Alone, yeah. Dad and from Home and Alone. Chud. And Chud, yes. And also, uh, he played the bartender in After Hours. It's very memorable. Yes, yes, he did. Him. Yeah. As well as, as uh, Catherine O'Hara's in that movie, too. That's right. That's my favorite Scorsese, by the way, is After Hours. I would probably agree with that. I like that. Even if it's, as long as it's in your top five, we can talk. Yeah. I think if push comes to shove, I think if you, if you force me to pick up. It just has everything I want, you know, and it, and it has a good, good style from him. And I like, especially that, like it caught him at a time where he was just like, I'm just looking to make a movie. I'm not too involved with the script and uh, look what you got, you know, little Griffin Dunn. The cast is wonderful. Got Terry Garr in there. Regardless though, I guess I'll go back to the original point. Cutter's way. You got John, John heard this. He looks like Snake Plissken, and both these movies came out the same year. He's got an eye patch, long hair. You know, he's coming back from Nam. That's his thing. But they look exactly the same, and it was all I could think of. Yeah, I, I didn't get too far. It didn't start strong, other than like, <laughs> just <laughs> someone throws out a dead body like in a literal trash can. I don't know. It cracked me up. I, it's a little dark, I know. It, it, and of course, it's bad conceptually, but just throwing people away like they're garbage, like literal garbage and seeing it, you know. But not in like a men at work kind of way, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Maybe sort of, honestly. Like it's the only other time I could think of that. And, and that is a, has a comical throwing away yeah. of a dead body. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess maybe I'm just thinking of men at work, and that's what's getting me. Um, yeah, as you should. I mean, that's what I thought about. Maybe I'll finish it and have a review next week. But I was really hoping to be taken with this thing, and mm-hmm. It was, and then it was on like TCM too, because they're doing their like they're basically showing the same exact movies that are in this collection. Yes, if not, well, honestly, like I think it is all of the same movies because there's been like Body Heat, Night uh, and, Moves, and, and, and yeah, and, la- and Last Night. I was very tempted. I almost Blood Simple. Yeah, because Blood Simple was last night, and I was like in my head, I'm like Friday nights are, are my my podcast nights, but do I forego it and watch Blood Simple instead? I was like, nah, I was like, I have Blood Simple. I mean, I, I can watch anytime, but I was very tempted because I do love Blood Simple. Blood so. Simple is great. I know. And the thing is too, you're like, maybe I'll just pop in, you know, flip to it, enjoy yeah. a nice moment. Cause there's so many good moments, but then yes. you know, you're going to watch it. Right. So I, I opted, I, I, I felt good that I, I resisted the temptation. I, I resisted watching it. Those are good optics, Dan. Yes. Anytime I can get you resisting to watch a movie is a good thing. Yes. That I that I want to watch, not one that I don't want to watch. <laughs> Absolutely, maybe that'll be our podcast where we punish each other with movies that we don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're basically gonna make me watch like a Wes Anderson movie then? I mean, no, but yeah, I guess. I mean, for the podcast, I would have to. I think that would yeah. be the most interesting one. But yeah. I feel like I'd rather torture you with something else. Like, see, but then it's like, do you go in like a sense where it's like? <laughs> It would have to be so bad, like bad that it's not enjoyable, you know? Yes. Because it's not like throwing someone Southland Tales and it's like, yeah, it's going to suck, but it's also the ride of a lifetime. Yes, which you did take me, you took me on that ride. And... That's true. See, that could have <laughs> been our pilot episode. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like you, you need something just like awful, like fucking like Spielberg's Lincoln or something like that. Oof. Just, yeah, I've never seen that. I, they talk about an almost falling asleep in movie theater experience. <laughs> that That was rough. And it was like, one of those times where it's just like, let's go to the movies. And it's like, you know, we could do nothing. Yeah. Instead of seeing Lincoln. If Lincoln is our best option, let's see nothing. 
was that one of those ones where like you don't you like go there and just like whatever they're showing you just pick one kind of deals was that that that's no it, for you? it was okay. it was planned it was definitely planned yeah okay i'm trying to think there was one movie that we like a bunch of my friends were hanging out and like we kind of just picked a movie and it ended up being excellent oh uh wind river uh oh, and that was really good yeah, yeah. and and we went in we went in with like no expectation it was like literally like spur the moment like oh hey they're showing this movie like let's go check it out and i was just like blown away I was like wow this is a really good movie so sometimes that happens did that happen when you saw blown away i still haven't seen blown away speaking of jeff bridges i haven't seen see, blown away i hope you get blown away by blown away i'd like to will, i'd like I think to that's see what they it. were hoping too so they could put that on the poster yes they America blew, blew dan blown away. away yeah and said they blew it well or maybe i'm blowing it by not watching it I don't think so. But again, this this could be another episode of our uh, podcast where we torture each other with movies. You're also talking to someone that, that loves both Staying Alive and Caddyshack 2. So it could go either way with me, I think. You do love Caddyshack 2? Caddyshack 2 just came up recently in conversation. I've never seen it. Oh, man. You need to see it. Oh, man. Why? It's it's <laughs> it's one of those movies that it's it's so incredibly bad that... You do reach a breakthrough point where it is... Who comes it, back? ...and enjoyable. Okay, literally one person comes back, and <laughs> it's Chevy Chase. And He's he, the one who comes back? And he phones it in so much in this movie. Like, like he, a cameo, or he has, like, a substantial role? Fairly substantial. Like, I would say not... Mm, like, more than a cameo for sure, but not, like, a main focal point. But he definitely is in, in a chunk of it. Was Basically, it, a con- like, a contractual thing? I don't remember. I forget what that deal was, but... Because, um, like, his, like, best friend wrote Caddyshack, right? That guy from National Lampoon who died. Howard Ramis? No, but, I, like, there was, like, three writers on, yeah. on Caddyshack, and he was one of them. And it was, like, the guy who, like, wrote, like, Animal... He was, like, a big National Lampoon writer. Yes. Uh, that guy yes. who, like, either killed himself or accidentally walked off a cliff or whatever. Something remember they like made that movie about him with Will Forte on Netflix? I that David Wayne, that. of all people, had uh, done? Yeah, Joel McHale playing Chevy Chase in it. Anyways, they were best friends and like Douglas Kenny. Yeah, I believe that Doug Kenny exactly. Yeah, because yeah, because the, the only other writer was is Brian Doyle Murray, so it wouldn't be him. So I don't think it's Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the he's sec- still the around. second yes. greatest uh, thing he ever gave us. Yes, besides the uh, rap from <laughs> the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. He's got to, he's had some other pretty, so pretty solid roles. A lot of good stuff from from Mr. Doyle Murphy. Absolutely. Groundhog Day is great. He's, he's, he's good in that, yeah. Yep. But no, Caddyshack 2 is, it's incredible. No, no Murray's involved, right? No Murray's. However, Dan Aykroyd takes over as the Bill Murray-esque character. Aykroyd is in it. Wow. Aykroyd plays basically like a similar- I just knew Jackie Gleason was in it, right? Like he's in it. So Jackie Gleason takes over for Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's that... the one thing I knew. Like that yes. was like, that's who they replaced him with. And it was just like, that, right. really? They find a lot of like, yeah, they, they put like a lot of guys that were like, they're trying to be comparable. Like, like Randy Quaid's in it and he's just like demented in it. Um, But Dan Aykroyd. Randy Quaid is is Bill Murray then? No, 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 no. Dan Aykroyd is. Dan Dan Aykroyd is like this like ex-military guy. Who's who's Ted Knight? It's, um, what's his name? He's a really really famous guy. Uh, Hold on. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I've seen, I've seen Caddyshack 2 more than, more than like I like. Like a Dabney it. Coleman or something? No, you're going to love it. Robert Stack. Robert Stack? Yes. Wow. And so Robert. how much is it just like note for note, like remake of the first one? So it's not at all. Uh, okay. And that's the thing. It's, 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 
So it, it, it basically the the just we will get is, into the movie in one second after we finish up this talk of Caddyshack two. Please continue. Dan. This is important. So also, I just want to mention that two other notable cast members are China Phillips is in it, and uh-huh. also Jonathan Silverman of the uh, single guy and uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's fame and. I know uh, Paul, most people don't open with single guy, but I'm a child of 90s must-see TV. I appreciate that. And Paul Bartel is in it as well. So basically, it is it, Bushwood. It's still Bushwood, but they basically open it up to anybody can join. And wow. all of these hijinks happen where basically, like, the Jackie Gleason character, not Jackie Gleason, Jackie Mason, isn't it? Mason, yeah. Jackie Mason, yeah. Right. I was like, wait a second. No. We would have been so lucky if it was Jackie Gleason. We would have been. Apologies to the great Jackie Gleason for insulting you with Jackie Mason. That is so unfair. Yes. And actually, like, Jackie Mason's, like, has, like, it's kind of, like, cringy funny a little bit at times. But I mean, that's how I would basically sum him up in general is he's just, like, a cringy, but you're like, yeah, you got to chuckle out of me every night. Exactly. And that's that's how he plays it in in this role. But basically, he's, like, this, like, kind of, like, Ronnie Dangerfield S where he's kind of, like, he's a rich guy, but he's kind of, like... I don't want to say like he's just like kind of like an everyman kind of type of guy. And he basically try he tries to like, he buys out Bushwood and like opens it up to the dismay of all like the stuffy people that tend to go to Bushwood. And he basically makes like a whole amusement park inside the thing with all these like wacky miniature golf kind of stuff and everything wow. like that. Dude, it is a trip, man. I would, wow. it's not on Blu-ray. I, I'm just throwing it out there now that maybe we can will it to happen. But, uh, we do not is, need to will Caddyshack 2 into Blue, right? I, I do. I, I think I do. I'm surprised that they didn't do like a two-pack of that like on Blu-ray, like a cheap something. I think people legitimately hate this movie. Um, I, I absolutely think that, yeah. I personally love it because I, I just love that it's such a terrible movie. Like, it's, it's, like I said, I've seen it so many times that like it reaches like a threshold where it's like it's enjoyable for me now to watch. Is it, it better? So is it better than Staying Alive? No. Which I have seen. And I no. think is a, a very entertaining no. piece of shit, for sure. No. I, 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 also, de- I, I love Sly Stallone. I mean, that's why I'm coming. Right. I mean, that's got, Alone has uh, the wonderful Sly Stallone cameo where he bumps into Travolta in, <laughs> on the street, which is, like, one of the best things I've, I've ever seen of, like, a Fucking director's Hitchcock cameo. Hitchcock over here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, if I ever made a movie, that's my cameo. Yes. You'd have to wear, like, a huge... Uh, leather jacket and like a scarf and the yeah. sunglasses and, and the works. But was that yeah, I think just, as far as, just wear what I wear and get out there? Yeah. You know, your normal attire. I think I will say that staying alive is probably still a better and more enjoyable movie, but Caddyshack 2 is pretty amazing though. All right. We'll see. On that note. So I Dan think, found think, his movie. He's going to punish me with for the first episode of our podcast where we do that. Yes. Before we alienate all of our listeners. <laughs> Dan. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I feel a little flustered all of a sudden. Are you? Yeah, I think uh, I just felt a, a big heat come upon me. Really? Yeah. I wonder I what, need a, what brought that on. I need on. a moment. I don't know. I think I may need a, a spritz lang of water. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit this out, right? <laughs> we will turn that part up. It will become the promo for this episode. Yes. Okay. It'll, it'll be more of a... <laughs> I'm okay with it. Hit this Sydney bong. <laughs> we got puns for every name here. Welcome to the show, The Big Heat. This thing was released October 14th, 1953 from the great Columbia Pictures, directed, of course, by our favorite Austrian-German director, 
Fritz Lang, screenplay by crime reporter Sidney Bohm, Philly favorite, if you will. Mm-hmm. Speaking of our location, yes, our geographic uh, pin drop. And that's where the movie, the actual, the, the book was set in Philly, right? The book was set in Philly. We are set in a fictional town called Kenport, but Should just it's, said it was Philly. it's Philly. They even say South Street at one point, like, come on. It's like, it's like, come on. But I guess it's just like, they maybe would have felt that they had to film in Philly. Yeah. You know? I, re- you know, I, I pretended it was Philly. You can that's pretend. the spirit, Dan. You can absolutely pretend. That's why we're here. We're pretending we're good podcast hosts. And- <laughs> professionals yes exactly we're stepping up to a plate that was never even presented to us but here's our feet a couple clown shoes coming through 33 Uh, episodes in (laughs) (laughs) a record rpm right dan yes we're probably about a a third of the way through this episode yeah i think we're right at that point (laughs) can't wait till we give you that 45 single huh yes i'm looking forward to that one all right do we, we have it scheduled right I, I wonder what it so. actually is. Uh, this was, of course, based uh, our favorite uh, evening post. It must be Saturday. Yep, not the Sunday. No, I don't want any other. E- my evenings are taken except for Saturday. Then I'm ready to party and just curl up with a good evening post. This was serialized, of course, in there, and then became a 1953 novel by William P. McGiver. What do you think of middle initials, Dan? I think they're okay. I'm okay with them. I personally don't really use mine that often but daniel j yep i'm surprised (laughs) (laughs) why i don't know i'm neither not surprised and surprised how about that i'm walking the line baby johnny cash over here are you no uh (laughs) there is that bill callahan song on the last record though where he just like starts it off he just goes hello everybody i'm johnny cash (laughs) it's great and that wonderful bill callahan He's just, like, deep voice, He's just yeah. like, hello, everybody. I'm Johnny Cash. And then just sings a song about not being Johnny Cash. It's awesome. That's Shout great. out to Bill Callahan. I, I could see him like in some noirs, right? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I think, I think so. I'd say like, the, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan, but I, I do enjoy uh, some smog and some, some Bill Callahan every, every now and again. You know, the right mood hits you. You know, it could be good. Good, great stuff. The cream of the crop. Speaking of which, Dan, this film, I think this is one of the best best there is. I think this is definitely like top five to ten material. I, I haven't seen this in a while, but mm-hmm. it's because it was such an early one for me. And then just, of course, you're watching it a bunch of times and then just took a little sabbatical, waiting for a moment like this, I suppose, but coming in hot. What a, what a, what a great, didn't, didn't mean the pun, but I'll take it. Ooh, boy, I'm fanning <laughs> myself here. Uh, I almost felt like you did mean that. <laughs> so that's why I had to say, uh, we got homicide detective Sergeant Ban. Well, I guess actually I'm going to not listen to this right up here because really we're opening with that suicide. Yes. Which is what a way to come on in, huh? Yeah. That's yeah. It's quite a start to a movie. That's some shocking stuff. Yeah. And you do see also there's a letter you know a suicide note if you will mm-hmm. and that's addressed to who's it addressed to do you remember offhand one of the um, police i believe yeah i believe it was yeah because we we learn a lot later on I mean, when you come in you don't really you're just like what is this like, you're coming along of, for yeah. the ride you're coming in blind and as you should uh, he also has a, a wife she's the one that finds him in the letter yes bertha duncan played by Jeanette nolman great fun name to say bertha duncan mm-hmm. i think i think we're gonna have a good time with it this cast is stacked, I would say. There's some, some good people in this one. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, we're going to get into our, our friend Dave Bannon, played by 
Glenn Ford. What do you think of Glenn Ford, Dan? I like him. I, I think his actually his probably his best role or my favorite role is three times Yuma. Um, yeah. I, I think I like him the most, but this is definitely up there. I think what I appreciate most about him, I don't love him in the beginning of this movie, but once the middle hits when when the actual like event happens it, that we'll get to, yeah, he just he turns and that's when he gets really good. I think. Yeah, I, I, he's he's not spectacular, but there, there is something to him. I mean, you appreciate that he's just trying to find the truth on this one slowly at first before, you know, he's really thrown into it, which, of course, we'll get into. I, I think it's good. W- where would you rank this between, like, I'd say his other famous noir, Gilda? Um, I think I like this more than Gilda. I mean, I, I like Gilda for sure, but I, I think I, I like th- this one just appeals more to my, like, when I think of film noir, like, the detective, like, the grizz, the grizzle. Oh yeah, this the, is like you know. the best detective. Yeah, uh, I would say movie there is out of all of them. I say because there's some actual detective work in them. Right, right. You know, usually, usually you get like a maybe a, a little taste of something, but you're just sticking around with dames and seedy figures for too long. But this guy is trying to get to the bottom of something, and it's it's a great time. Um, and it's sadistic too. I mean, there's a lot of sadistic things in this movie. Very much so. I mean, if you're going to put Lee Marvin in your movie, it better be sadistic. He's he's brutal in this movie. Like, I Love. remember the first time I watched it, like, how jarring it felt the first time you watch it when you see some of the stuff that he does. I mean, you know, you, well, you cast in Lee Marvin, you get Lee Marvin, you know? <laughs> God bless him. Yeah, as you I should. See, you know, there's a, a joke on The Simpsons, of course, where, are you familiar with Paint Your Wagon? Yes. Mm-hmm. The musical Western, of course. Mm-hmm with Clint Eastwood and, and Lee Marvin's in it. And they, they accidentally rent it because they're like, oh, Clint Eastwood, Lee Marvin, it's a Western. This is going to be great. And then it turns into song. And then yeah. they're like, oh, Lee Marvin shows up and Homer's like, there's Lee Marvin. He's always drunk and surly. And then like, you know, he breaks out into song. It's a good time. <laughs> I, I, it's hard not to think of that whenever I see him, but love, love, love Lee Marvin. We'll, we'll get more into him when we get there, but I love him so much. I just want to talk about him already. Dave Bannon, he gets called in to do a routine, you know, let me file this police report about this suicide. So, of course, he goes over to Bertha Duncan. Tom Duncan is the one who who died. He was also, he was a police officer himself. Bertha, she said that, you know, her husband's been in ill health, so that's probably why he did it. She's like, I don't see why he would have killed himself otherwise. So she's trying to throw him off the trail, though, it seems. I mean, it's definitely suspicious right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And Lucy Chapman comes up, who is the mistress of... Tom Sergeant Duncan. Duncan, Tom mm-hmm. Duncan. He, she, she wants to tell his, uh, Bannon. Bannon, Bannon yes. Yeah. I just was deciding if I was going Glenn Ford or not. Uh, it, it, you know, she's like, I. This is what really happened. I, I don't think he had any reason to kill himself. He was not in ill health. You know, he's off having affairs, having a great time. He, there's no reason he should have killed himself. But he would have definitely. He's about to divorce his wife, so that's a little suspicious. That uh, Bertha Duncan saying something else. Bannon, he's he's deciding to just kind of just following up. He's going where this case is leading him. So he goes back to Mrs. Duncan. She didn't like that. And he heads back. This is where we get back to the police office, I believe, or to the station. Well, at this point, we also, I, I, I don't know if we're getting too far ahead, but we find out that Lucy Chapman ends up dead. Well, yeah. So he, well, yeah, they, they speak. And so it's at this bar. What was the bar called? Do you remember? It was called the... Uh... The retreat. Retreat. The retreat. Yes. yes. A new start with an R. Yeah. And there's all these people like listening to this conversation. So when after the, the, the talk ends, there's a lot of suspicious faces. Yes. Clearly there's something that's going to happen as a result of that. It cuts to the wire coming in that a person had been found and beaten and assaulted and mm-hmm. 
awful, awful things. This movie does not pull any punches, I would no. say. It's weird, too, because, like, it didn't feel very 50s-ish until it would get dark. Yeah, it, it definitely has more... I feel like they could definitely get away with more, like, the brutality in this movie than maybe, say, if it was... If they, if they tried to make this in, like, 1944 or something, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel yeah. like you could definitely feel feel it in this movie like just like i said before like just like the it's, it's very sadistic stuff that goes on in this movie very much so bannon gets word about this death and then also he gets called into his boss's office lieutenant wilkes lieutenant wilkes and he's just like look i heard about that you went back into the widow a second time first time of course that's procedure but beyond that leave her alone yeah and already suspicious of like why he heard about this to begin with but he says, don't do it. He also has an ashtray. It's a very big ashtray. It is <laughs> completely full of butts. It was uh, a little disgusting, but I'm not a smoker. Maybe that, that looks yeah. like a good time to some people. I didn't even catch that. I, I, I think I was too engaged in the dialogue. I didn't even notice that. I guess I was in the zone of cigarettes because uh, they talk about Lucy's body. She was strangled to death and she has cigarette burns all over it. And he's even mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I saw every single one of them. Yeah. Okay. Very, as you're saying, very sadistic. And so... He's still looking into this. He's not thrown off of the case at all. Clearly, there's some people that don't like that. Everyone is very mysterious. You don't know who's behind anything yet because we really haven't met too many people. Like, we, we kind of meet them as they come up, you know, as, as the trail leads us there. Right. We also, we, we got Katie Bannon, of course, the wife as well, mm-hmm. played by Jocelyn Brando of the great Brando acting family. <laughs> Yes, I actually didn't know that. I didn't, as I was doing research for this movie before before today, I was like, oh, wait, that is you know, Marlon Brando's sister. Yeah. Like, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. She does a good job in this. They no, very, I, like, I like the rapport between the two of them, like the great kind of banter rapport. and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's why it makes everything so affecting that will happen is because they just really do get each other. They just click. There's a certain synergy with the two of them. It's, it feels very real. Absolutely. I mean, they, they love each other. They're still horny for each other the kid keeps interrupting them from getting any kind of intimacy you know so as kids will do you know mm-hmm. the little scamps yeah so i mean there's just a lot of uh, back and forth at this point i mean the, a phone call comes in uh well he so all right, all right i'll i'll slow this down here so after this stuff happens he goes to like the the guy who's like the crime boss of the of the town of philadelphia i guess of secret philadelphia mike lagana yeah, he, he's in charge of everything. And he's like, I know you're behind this because nothing goes past you. Everything that happens in this city, you know, you catch a whiff of. So you're definitely involved somehow. And, and he is right. I mean, after yeah. this, consequences continue to happen. Nobody really wants to, to speak up and, and, and take care of this because these guys are so well connected and, and yeah, running like, the city. Basically, yeah, basically, it's like somehow he's like some type of political figure but he has like a lot of power somehow they don't really get into a lot of the specifics about he's got everyone i mean he's definitely yeah. everyone is in his pocket he owns yeah. the police he owns politicians yeah. right we know this guy he's been in philadelphia his whole life or kenport pardon me so everyone is saying bannon you gotta stop that lieutenant is telling him just quit it which uh he's like clearly something's connected here because if you're hearing about me going to this crime boss and then now you're saying don't do something like right the commissioner goes, is saying something yeah go there goes any of that trust whatsoever and then even a phone call comes into his wife like really creepy and it's like it's for you and this guy says quit it hello yes it is 
Who is this? He wants you. Who is it? I... I don't know. This is Dave Banyan. Listen, slob. Stop minding other people's business if you want to stay alive. Some big people are getting annoyed. Who is this? We get a very lovely moment with the couple. You know, he's like slapping her on the ass and sharing a beer and all the good times. and Eating a steak. Yeah, steak and potatoes. Steak and it was potatoes. A, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. And then um, what, she needs to go run off and grab something, right? Well, that comes a little bit like, later, but we, yeah, yeah, we can... I think well, that... I'm ready to jump here. I mean, it's just like so much of of that build up to this is like you know he's going down this trail, you know. Yeah. So she... she's going to get the babysitter because they made plans to go out to see a movie, which they were actually. It's it's interesting is that they were considering not going, and then kind of ended up. To, you know, he kind of talks her because he's like, oh, maybe we should just stay home. And she's like, no, we should. We got some time. We can go. And then they go to get the babysitter. Um, well, yeah. She so she's like, I'll go get him, and that car explodes. Yes. And then you're feeling the big heat from here. Right. And then you see the, the, the scene where he's trying to get her out and he like hits the, the front part of the, the, um, yeah. And her body just looks so lifeless yeah. in there. It, it's, it's very harrowing. You know, you could tell something's coming, but you just, you don't know it's going to be that. Yeah. It's, it's great. And of course it, at this point, it's like Dan was saying, alluded to he's unhinged from here on out. Yes. I think I, I like it at, from this point on, I think it really, really hits its stride, whereas particularly him, just because like, you see, like, the dark path that he goes down. Totally. You know? I mean, like, everything is so important leading up to this, but this is where it's just all the payoff comes in. This is the kickoff, mm-hmm. and, yeah, it's a real explosion from here on out. He's he's going off the grid. You know, he's pissed at all his superiors, and he's, he's going to find who's responsible for his wife's murder. You know, he's real cold at this point, like, and he tells his daughter like his, the mom is like on a trip she seems to be yes. doing fine despite the fact that like that's happening and then he's like oh and i'm also gonna hole up in a hotel and barely spend any time with you like yeah like his sister or someone is like watching her it was uh, uh brother-in-law and sister-in-law are yeah. watching them yeah, yeah yeah you do what you gotta do well i think it was more so like a protection kind of thing too because since they were getting so close to him and, and they're really trying to i think get obviously get him and not his wife as we we learned that that was really that was really the goal but uh, I think he was really trying to protect her. But yes, he does get that hotel room and really kind of just goes on this whole binge of just trying to stir up stuff and goes keeps going back to the, uh, the club and trying to figure out what's happening. Yes, and on one such night, he meets the second in command, which is Vince Stone, who is Lee Marvin. We're finally at yes. Lee Marvin, and he is just a real son of a bitch. He's mm-hmm. quite rough with women, yeah. as, as you'll see. Quite the wallet chain, too. Yes, he does. I mean, the bad ones usually do. If you follow the wallet chain, you're going to find some some trouble for sure. He like burns her hand with a cigar and pushes her aside while there's like some gambling going on. Yeah, yeah, they were doing some type of like a dice game and a cup, and then they would like put on. He was saying that oh, you're you're moving too fast, like when they call it, and then he ends up burning this this one girl that was doing it, and then you've got Gloria Graham, who is his girlfriend, next to him as well. Debbie Marsh. Yes. She's just, she's, uh, I mean, she's kind of just watching it. She's, as we'll learn, like very happy to be in luxury and making money and also drinking. She likes to drink. Yes. Uh, there's one scene in particular where like. She's a young girl, Vince. Yep. Don't let her drink so much. 
was a fun time. And we um, learned later why why she she kind of is more of a, a bystander, and that is because you know as we can see that you know Vince is very brutal, and when she tried to intervene one other time, he beat her and hurt her. So she she's just like, yo, I'm not I'm not gonna do that again, you know. And that's everybody's feeling too, because he like yeah. during this altercation, one guy who's like sitting next to all this, he's like, I'm gonna do something about it. And his like his girl, his companion is like talking about, like, no, no, yeah. no, don't worry about it. Let's just get out of here. Like yeah. you don't mess with these people. Yeah. But Bannon thankfully is there and he takes care of it. And at Lee Marvin's even like, oh, I'm sorry. Here, here's some money. Like, yeah, <laughs> throws money at this poor woman and, and then leaves. And leaves. Yeah, it's a good time. And meanwhile, Debbie Marsh is there the whole time, and she likes this. She she sees someone finally standing up to this guy that she's a little afraid of. And yes. She tries to buy him a drink. Sergeant. Yeah. I'd like to buy you a drink. With Vince Stone's money, I'd choke on it. But he's like, you know, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this guy or anything he touches. You know, I, I don't touch people like you with a ten foot pole. He even says at one point. Yeah, and she's pretty persistent. I mean, she follows him down the street and follows him to the hotel room. Yes, where they're able to talk a little bit more and yeah, and and get into everything, and that she could be a little helpful. Yeah, he's trying to get some in- info from her. But the problem is, she brings up his wife. Yeah, and that's that's going to make things go cold. Right. And she's trying to get he because he heard a name overheard a name Larry and she's like oh I kind of know Larry but I know a lot of his friends and uh, Vince and I don't know his last name because we're looking for for Larry because he's the guy who put the bomb in the car yes he's the other and, henchman uh, and I believe he was also even involved with the Lucy Chapman he killed with you, Lucy he, Chapman yeah because it's alluded to later because Lagana mentions that he botched you know potentially botched two hits. That he he definitely out. botched them. Yeah. yeah, those are those are those are bad hits. We're finding yeah. out about them instantly. That's that's not good. Go back to Chicago, Larry. Yeah, and it falls back on Vince because Vince is the one that got him out of Chicago. Vince kind of staking his life on him too, so it looks bad on Vince as well. So that doesn't work out. Gloria Graham she heads back to Stone's place, and he doesn't. He he knows something was up. They they followed her there yeah. and, and saw that they were talking. Boy, you want to keep this violence coming, man? He throws hot coffee at her, Dan. I'm pretty sure this was the big heat. I'm pretty sure that that this was. The There's big a heat. lot of. I mean, all yeah. the violence is heat related. So. Well, I will say that I didn't get to show you earlier. I was saving it, but there, there's a booklet inside the the Blu-ray, and I uh-huh. think this is an alternate cover that Twilight Time put out as well. But one of his, I don't know if you can see it. It's it's Jeez. literally just a, a, the the cover of the booklet. It's, it's like <laughs> the big heat and like the text. It almost looks like steam coming out of, coming steam, out of, yeah. of a of a um a very hot looking coffee pot, which is a nice little touch. But yeah, I mean that that seems like oh man, like watching that like oof. incredible. Yeah, uh, very very rough stuff. What do you think of Gloria Graham in this one? I love her in this. I think she's great. I mean, I, mean, I, this, I like her in general. I think she's always great. I mean, she definitely yeah. she elevates anything that she's in. But I think this is probably my favorite of hers. Definitely up there for me. She's got a lot to do in it, which and and gets to show yes. some range. And, yeah. It's great. I mean, she's still being cast in the roles that they, they tend to, to stick her in, but this yeah. one definitely has a little more meat to it than they, they usually do. I mean, even looking back to recent episodes like Odds Against Tomorrow, even though she had a very small role, sort of similar in a way to this in, in, some, in some regards, but she is such a good actor. Like, and she's and just Crossfire, a, too, where right, we've experienced Crossfire, that. She, yeah. I, I feel like she, like she can play these roles so well. And it really does add. It does, like you said, it, it kind of lifts it up and gives it a good dynamic. There's a, a believability to her yeah. that a lot of times when some of these actresses take these roles, you just you're not seeing it. Right, but with There's her, you believe it. Yeah, something about it. she's able to convey that like hardened edge to her that I don't know. It's just very effective. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, she, she's been hit side of her face with hot coffee. <laughs> it's so brutal. And Lee Marvin just does it like it's nothing, too. Yeah. It's like, wow. What's your favorite Lee Marvin? Great question. Um, nothing's coming up on the top of my head. I'm going to look at his... Uh, I'll tell you, mine is point blank. I think that's the greatest. And that's a wonderful meal more if you're looking for it. I had a feeling you were actually going to say that one. I don't know. I just... Believe it. And I, I, he recently, I, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I uh, watched him in Bad Day at Blackrock. He was very good in that. Yes. That one's very good. I do love that one. We'll get to it. Yes. No, I'm that one I'm very, very much looking forward to. His final film role was the Delta Force. I did not know that. <laughs> What a way! What a way to go out. You, where are you gonna go from there, Dan? I can't imagine. I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to go out on that one. He didn't make it for Delta Force Two. Probably for the best. I don't. You don't like the Colombian connection. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love your sequels. I do. Are there any noir sequels we should be doing? Do any of these get sequels? Great question. I feel like the characters go on, but usually they just recast the role. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'll I'll actually do a little bit of research because off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of it. Right, I, I got nothing. But we'll, yeah, we'll, if we get something, we'll come back to you. Yeah, I would I would like to see if that if that happens. In the meantime, we're gonna put on another pot of coffee while Police Commissioner Higgins takes Debbie Marsh to the hospital mm-hmm. because they're like, we got to fill out a police report if we take her there. And it's like, well, that's why you're going with her. But she's able to escape from that because obviously she knows this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in this situation. They tend to make women disappear. Yeah. And I, I just got coffee thrown in my face. So clearly I'm not in good terms with anybody right now. Yeah. So she's able to slip off and go back to Bandon at the hotel. Her whole left side of her face is burned pretty badly, but it's all bandaged up. You get this like side almost like a bandage version of like the phantom of the opera mask i guess yes. i don't know like it's like not it's not too much because you still got to show off gloria graham right beautiful face so it's 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 quite effective and, and she's saying i i need your help i don't think i'm safe anymore and, and maybe we can help each other out here can i stay with you which he's like absolutely not <laughs> but i'll get you a room on this floor and we'll make sure that it's unregistered and nobody can find you they, they end up talking a little more. He's got drinks there, so she's ha- she, she likes drinking, as, as we said earlier. Hmm. She's just kind of casually just talking, and she accidentally identifies Larry. And hmm. She's like, oh, Larry Gordon. Because there was one scene back at the bar where um, he had his friend call into the bar to look for Larry, but without yes. the last name. And they're like, we don't know who you're talking about. That's when the, the whole cigar burn thing happened. Yeah. Um, that's why he was there. Hmm little bit of fun information for you so now we know who this guy is it's larry gordon larry gordon is played by adam williams <laughs> basically has the same real name <laughs> very two-namer kind of guy he's like a weird kind of young looking face i don't know he's just like an interesting guy everyone else is so grizzled in this movie and then like, yes he's just like a oh, gee golly guys like i'll i'll burn cigarettes out on her don't worry yeah <laughs> there's a there's actually one thing that I noticed about his apartment as we're getting to that that I don't know if you caught but he has framed spreads of cards like playing cards did you wow that? no no like there's, there's two framed small rectangles on his wall if you go back and uh it, it's just like a fan fan outs of of playing cards I was like that's wow that's something um, that's just like I need to put art up on the walls like well we can get a frame and a deck of cards for like two bucks like, yeah I don't, yeah, it was very interesting to me. Something I noticed this time around. 
is that a character choice or a set decorator? I wonder. I don't know, but I, I liked it. I thought it that's was how just... they do it at the Wilton Apartments. It seems apparently. Bannon goes over there and he gets into a Gordon and, and tells him to admit about the car bombing. And what was the first woman's name? Which woman? The one who Lucy Chapman. Dead. Lucy Chapman. Thank mm-hmm. you. That everything behind that, and he does, but like, and it seems like after that, like Glenn Ford isn't really mad at him anymore. He seems to let him off the hook for still killing these people. Yeah, because I think he wants to get to, like, the main mastermind. The, uh, the root of it, yeah, yeah, which I get, but it's still, like, this guy still planted the bomb, like. I, I guess I, I, we should also mention that I, I do I did like the, and, and when he goes to his apartment, he has the uh, the woman that, that, that gives him the information at the garage that he gets yes, a lead older, to. older woman. Yeah. yeah, older woman there that helps him out and gives him the information that he wants, because at first he doesn't really get the information he, he asked for, and she kind of walks out of the, out of the garage area and, and kind of catches him as he's leaving, and tells him about it but he uses her to like basically pretend like she's just looking for somebody's apartment so he brings a gun out and he's he's like oh you know get out of here you're in the wrong place so then it kind of disarms him a little bit because he he hears the dot the, the knock on the door again and thinks it's the same woman yeah he doesn't and, grab his gun yeah it doesn't grab his gun and that's when bang goes in and, and then gives him a good punch that actually sends him into the corner of the wall in his apartment which i i thought was actually it was a great punch it was, yeah it was quite a wallop yeah all the violence is really great in this. Yeah. So yeah, all that happens, and Bannon he he's able to hold himself back from killing Gordon, and decides mm-hmm. he's gonna go ahead and get to the root of this evil. But not that it matters because Gordon is still gonna get killed off anyways, and thrown in the river mm-hmm. because he knows too much. He started to run, and they they knew that he must have talked. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these guys are gonna have eyes on you. You bend the eyes. I'm surprised you don't consider that. But you know that there's other eyes out there looking at you. You do what you gotta do. Bannon, he's starting to also get hip to what was going on with Mrs. Duncan. Clearly, she's involved with something. So he, he comes into her place, and he's coming in big heat hot on there, too. Yes. And he's grabbing her by the throat and trying to figure out what's going on. And he realizes that clearly you're still alive when these people are killing everybody else. You have something on them. And if you turn up dead, that means that information's going to come out, that blackmail. So... This right. is clearly what's keeping you alive. So that's interesting. Yes. But he's unable to find out anymore because the cops arrive and they're like, we heard a commotion and he's able to sort of casually leave because, of course, she doesn't want any trouble either. Right. Well, and she also had called, I think it was, what's his Commissioner name? probably Higgins, right? Well, no, it wasn't him. So it was through uh, Lagana. Okay. So she called Lagana and told him, and Lagana pulled those strings with the commissioner to then get the police over there to, to stop it. So Lagana is like, we got we to gotta go after the heart of Stone. So we're going after his kids. We also should mention that we, we kind of missed, um, he's not a cop anymore at this point. Right. Yeah, he, he yeah, the commissioner, he had a big fight with him and basically was like, you know what, give me your badge. Give me your, give me your badge and your gun. And he's like, give me your gun. Like, it's not your gun, which is like, what are you doing with it? Unlicensed gun. Like, Gun as a cop? Did you just that day make the switch, or or what? That's not good. Well, I said it was his I, guns. I mean, maybe, I know that's maybe what I'm saying. If you're a, if you're a police officer, you should be wearing the uh, official issued <laughs> firearm, so yeah, you can wonder, be tracked. Yeah, I wonder if like there certain ones get privileges if they like. I, I'm not an expert, but like, I wonder if like they have the option to maybe buy. Maybe these laws like, weren't passed yet, you know? Right. If they're, since he's a detective or something like that, he's a sergeant, maybe like they allow him to get a different type of gun. I, I don't know. I don't like it, Dan. I, that's no good. We be, yeah. we got to keep track of these firearms. So. Yeah. Oh, tiss, tiss, sir. But hey, you keep your gun. You got a lot of business to do. 
so he's, he kind of has a feeling that they're going to come after his daughter too. So he, and they're saying like, we're not going to, there's been like police watching them too, because obviously his wife got blown up. Right. People are after him. So they, they pull that protection and he races back, but then it turns out that his um, brother-in-law, mm-hmm. he's, he used to be in the army and he had all of his army buddies. There's a great scene actually, because when he's heading back to the place, he's like runs up the stairs and then a guy puts a gun behind him. He's like, all right, move it. And you think this is one of the bad guys, but then it turns out that like, no, 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 these are friends watching out for you. Yeah. And it was very fascinating to watch this guy go from like, oh my God, this guy's trying to kill me. I have to kill him. Like. I'm trying to protect my daughter to like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? We're, it's a big we're, guy. Too. We're friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they get into a physical altercation to then all of a sudden just, hey, thanks for <laughs> helping me out there. I appreciate right. that. It's just always funny. Like, how does that just turn off in an instant? I couldn't imagine. Well, yeah. And, and I and I also, I, I always like the scene where he does walk in and, and he sees like all the guys there. And it, it is kind of nice that like, it's cool that they all kind of came to the, the their, his, you know, their buddy, their brother-in-law's, you know, rescue, even they don't really know the kid at all. But they're all basically just like, yeah, like if anyone tries to come in here, like we'll, we'll get them. Don't yeah, worry like about we, it. Like, you know, your brother-in-law is our friend from the army. We do anything for him. Yeah. It's great. So yeah, clearly everything's going to be fine with these guys. So he's like, all right, you guys got it. I'm going to say hi to my daughter real quick and then take off. And he grabs his daughter and spins her. She's like almost about to kick this guy in the face. I yeah. Mean, that was like a close call. That might've been take three, but oh boy. Yeah. He's off. A couple more cops pop up. We got yeah, Lieutenant it's, it's Wilkes. Wilkes. Yep. And the other uh, sergeant buddy of his. Yeah, and he's like, you know what? We're we're on your side now. We don't like this either. We're going to watch it. And he's like, you know, I got people up there, but we'll make sure that she's extra protected. Mm. And then they're, also, they're also concerned that he's going to go after the widow again. Uh, yes. They're afraid that, they, that he's going there for revenge to kill her. To going get after the- Bertha Duncan. And we do cut back to Bertha Duncan, and it seems like maybe that's the case. But instead, as she comes up to answer the door in her mink coat, it's Debbie who is there. Yes. And so when Glenn Ford left the hotel with Debbie, he, he had to go run off to go after his daughter and he left her with a gun. Like, right. you know, hey, protect yourself if you need to. So now she has this gun. I mean, there's a great exchange. She's like, I just wanted to meet you. Uh, talking about how, you know, how much alike we are. You have a nice home. Thank you. Did Mr. Stone send you? No. I've been thinking about you and me. How much alike we are. The mink-coated girls. I don't understand you. What are you here for, Miss Marsh? Debbie. We should use first names, Bertha. We're sisters under the mink. That was a great mm-hmm. line. Really, this is especially where Gloria Graham's really killing it, like post-burn. Like, she's just such an, a dark place. She's really been moping. You want to talk like a classic film noir trope with the blinds. It is done brilliantly when she's yeah. just in the dark of that apartment, half face, just like, Oh yeah. You feel it. It, it, that, that stuff was brilliant. But you start to see the motivation about what she's about to do is because you can tell that she does have a, you know, an affinity for Banyan. Ben. Yeah. Banyan he's really tel- been kind of tells a story about his wife and, and, uh, a little bit. I mean, he's a little bit hardened by it still. He, he's tough to get into his wife's stuff, yeah. but he also does allude to the fact that, you know, Mrs. Duncan, like, she has some deal set up where if she goes, everything falls apart because right. the blackmail stuff gets out to some paper, probably. Right. So this is where we're finding out that Debbie's looking out for someone who looked out for her, and she's like, I'm going to take care of this for you. So she she go ahead and shoots Mrs. Duncan, which is yes. great. Yeah. And right when she tries to call Stone for help, Ben and he's he's heads over to take care of Stone and he's not quite there yet because we see Lee Marvin Vin Stone and then you just see some coffee fly at him 
Yeah. And you're like, who did that? You think it might, it might be Glenn Ford, but no, it's Gloria Graham coming out. She's getting great. revenge and she rips off the bandage. Her face is all scarred. Oh my God. One of the most yeah. satisfying and just awesome scenes oh, yeah. of all time. I'll be curious when this episode comes out, what the decision is, but as far as like what the shot would be, it's like, I thought about, do you have her holding the coffee? But it's like, does that give away too much? I don't know. We'll see I like maybe, we maybe with, the, the shot leading up where it's like the, the shadowy, where you just see the light of, of like the, the atrium when he walks in the apartment and you just yeah. see, kind of see Lee Marvin and it's lit. And then you got like the blinds a little bit. I think I, that's just a great shot. Joe, Cause he's just taking off his coat, like just going about his business. Like I'm un- very unsuspecting. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, you know, maybe I'll have myself a nice cuppa and then, Oh boy. Yeah. It, it, it's so rad. But then she gets shot, mm-hmm. which is it's pretty tragic. And this is yeah. where Glenn Ford comes rushing in. There's a, a good little shootout and we get him. We get a little justice. Yep. And De- Debbie's like, hey, she's dying. We, we got the, the cops and the ambulance on the way. And she's like, I-, I took care of everything for you. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your wife that you've been a little hesitant to do so. But, yeah. you know, not clearly you can trust me. I'm about to die. At, yeah. at this point, the paramedics would come in and they're like, yeah, we can't do anything for her. So just make her head comfortable and try to turn her head because she doesn't like that one side of her face anymore. She's very self-conscious yes. as you would be with a horrible burn after right. something like that. And um, he says, like, you and my wife, you, you guys would have gotten along fine, which, you know, usually they say that kind of thing. But I actually believe that. They seem like they would have yeah, been I a good so. team. Yeah. Brando and Graham, huh? Where's that movie? Yeah. And... Glenn Ford, he, he's been kind of struggling with, it's not like a, a parent struggle, but there's like, uh, you know, very below uh, the depths. Like he's trying not to fully go like full tilt revenge and like lose himself. Like he's still a cop, mm-hmm. you know, he still considers himself that. And they even say like a lot of people, like they burn out and they end up going bad. Right. But he's able to restrain himself from all of this revenge and like murdering people. And so Stone ends up getting arrested the blackmail evidence goes out to the newspaper and he is actually reinstated. Yes. They show him back there and they give him back his Lieutenant plaque for the desk. Well, he's a sergeant. And hit- sergeant. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant. Pardon yeah. me. Yeah. Things are back going well. There's one thing that I, I, I wrote down cause I, it didn't dawn me at the, the very last line of the movie. At, cause he's basically sits at his desk and he's back there and he gets the call for another call. And right before that, uh, there's like an officer, like a like a uniform officer that's like, oh, you want to get coffee or whatever? He's like, sure. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, let me get you coffee. He's like, sure. And uh, he just gets that call, so he goes out with that other detective, and then he looks over at the uh, the uniform officer. So he says, the "Coffee, huh, Hugo? Okay, sir." <laughs> and I, I didn't realize like the the alluding to the whole coffee you device throughout the film. And then saying like, "Oh, keep it hot at the end." Like I just never thought that, but that it just that that one just like it hit me at the very end of the movie. It's a That's great way the to, big to go out. That's the big heat. Yeah, they do actually say the title line a couple of times. They well. do. Like, they actually in, do in one part. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing I'll, I'll say before we get into our fun fact is I like the line where um, it's Lee Marvin and Gloria Graham, and he's like talking about her perfume, and he's like, "Ah, oh. hey, that's nice perfume. Something new that attracts mosquitoes and repels men." doesn't work that way with me it's not supposed to yeah that is a good yeah that was a good line that was a fun line especially coming from her columbia paid forty thousand dollars for mcgivern's novel and 
we had Sydney Bohm, who was a, a crime reporter. He got he got to write it, and he changed a lot of details. Um, characters were taken away and, and added. Also, we were no longer in Philadelphia, of course. That's a shame. And they also, in the novel, you don't even know that, like, the widow had um, blackmail. Yeah. Yeah, any of that put together. So I, I, I feel like these were good choices. Yeah. It's okay. The only choice that's really unnecessary is just not making it Philadelphia. But, again, it could have just been because of not wanting to film here. Mm-hmm. They wanted Marilyn Monroe to take Gloria Graham's part, but they didn't want to pay for that. <laughs> yeah, so too much money. We got Gloria Graham instead, and, that, and that's fine. I, I think that that's exactly who should have been in this role. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Glenn Ford, man. <laughs> Do you know much about Glenn Ford? Not very little. I didn't really either. I mean, I just enjoyed his movies, you know, yeah. uh, 310 to Yuma for sure. He's, yeah. uh, he plays the dad in Superman from the 78. Mm-hmm. Richard Donner just died, Yeah, the director of that movie. So shout out to the Donner. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, I never really like put it together that that's him in Superman, but it definitely is. He loved war. He, he served a third time after World War II in 1958 in the Naval Reserve. Wow. So he, he loved, kept coming back. He also loved cheating on his wives. Really? And he, Yes. He had uh, affairs with most of the people he was in movies with, like Rita Hayworth, Gloria yeah, I knew Graham, that. Gene Tierney. Had a one night stand with Marilyn Monroe. He also recorded every phone call he ever had for 40 years. Really? He originally had installed a recording system to eavesdrop on conversations with his first wife, who he thought might be onto him for cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, after, and she had divorced him, of course, for the grounds of adultery and mental cruelty, which wow. I can see a little bit of that here. Yeah. Um, he had recorded phone calls from Charlton Heston, Debbie Reynolds, Gregory Peck, Lucille Ball, Angie Dickinson, ton of people, as well as Nixon and Reagan. He was good friends with Reagan. He actually yeah. was a Democrat until Reagan came into politics, and then he decided to campaign for his old pal. Mm. He also lived in Beverly Hills, California, where he illegally raised 140 leghorn chickens until he was stopped by the police department. Jeez. He had an affair with stripper and cult actress Lisa Renee, who wrote a book in 1991 called My First 2000 Men, where she ranked Ford as one of her top five best lovers. Wow. Brando, as we said, older sister of Marlon Brando. This was her second film, actually, and her final was in Mommy Dearest. I think that's a, about all I got. Oh, and the portrait of uh, Lagana's mother was of Celia Lovsky, who was actually the ex-wife of Peter Lorre. Oh. She was best known for her portrayal of T'Pau, the Vulcan ambassador in Star Trek, the original series. And not the band T'Pau from the 80s. From uh, that. <laughs> she may have been in that. I don't, I'm not too familiar with that. didn't come up. And then, of course, the, the uh, famous line where Gloria Graham goes, I've been rich and I've been poor. Believe me, rich is better. That was actually misattributed to many actresses, including Mae West. But mm-hmm. this is it. This was the source. So, yeah, that's the big heat. Still good. Still great. Keep watching it. Needs a new Blu-ray release, it seems, but maybe somebody's on top of that. Yeah, let me see when When this... did that come out? Yeah, this came out actually in 2012. And Twilight Time is limited, so they do limited runs. So this was limited to 3,000. So yeah, like it's definitely, it's out of print now. And yeah, when you try to find one of these, it's pretty expensive. So yeah, I feel like it is due for another Blu-ray. I think it was done a few years ago, but I think it was like a, a Region 2 PAL Blue yeah, that right. was on, from Powerhouse, exactly. Yes, um, I, that was the most recent one that I'm aware of. Actually came out last year, last yes. summer. So. Yes, it was very recent. If you have a region-free Blu-ray player, do you, Dan? I need to get one still. I don't think mine is. 
Well, I just but, know if you went out of your way to get one. I think that's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, mine, which I learned later on, which I didn't realize when I bought it, was is Ultra HD, which is cool. I didn't know that's that cool. when I bought it. That, that was just an added bonus. But yeah, but I, it's not region-free, I don't think. I need to do that because that would open up so many avenues for me. Yes, definitely. I mean, I perhaps the podcast. So yes, I've thought about that getting a you know region free one many times. Maybe off the, maybe just find like a cheaper one and maybe Santa will bless us with one this year. Yes, I mean they're like like a little over a hundred bucks. It's not too yeah. bad. It's just it's just pulling that hundred dollar trigger, which is yeah never fun, but not the end of the world. Exactly. Well. We have one more trigger to pull. Our, our big month is almost complete, Dan. Yeah, sad to see it go. I know. I am too, but perhaps there'll be more themes. Actually, I think we're about to be swimming in themes for damn near the rest of the year. So <laughs> enjoy true. your breather for September. That's really it. But come back. We got 1955's The Big Combo. <laughs> Sorry for you, Joe. So I'm going to do you a favor. You won't hear the bullets. We got a lot of old friends in this one. Can't wait. Have you seen this one? Yes, I have. Okay. It. I've seen it. Uh, well, it's got Cornell Wilde, my my dude, and it, and, dude, his real, exactly. and his real, real life wife, uh, Gene Wallace. Uh, yes, we had alluded star. to this previously on Lever to Heaven, and I think we'll get a little more into that. Yeah, uh, there's there's some stories there, so looking forward to that. Dan, thank you for another great episode. I think we did a, a good job for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's about it. Anything yeah. else to close it up? Nope, that was about it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Big big Heat, definitely see it. Um, We're kind of like Glenn Ford, huh? Yeah. Recording this podcast. <laughs> we, we record our conversations. <laughs> yeah, Couple Glenn true. Ford's over here, so yeah. yeah. Watch out, everybody, when you talk to us on the phone. Yeah, when our listeners call in live. I guess you could say the U.S. government is like Glenn Ford, huh? Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> Maybe that's where they learned it from when Reagan was in, huh? Well. <laughs> On that well, note. that's the note. Dan, keep the coffee hot. Yep. While you're, here's the crime. Here's the crime. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys. Bye.